All right, we're back with Sex 101. I'm excited. Our second episode. This is cool. Yeah, like, let's I, do it. The first one was so fun. I just, you know, it, I mean, talking about sex is hard and and no pun intended. And it's, uh, you know, I think folks uh, sometimes don't know what to say, what to do, what to ask. And that's why this podcast is so awesome. We got some great listener questions this week. I mean, weren't you blown away? Yes. I was totally like actually cheerfully moved by the vulnerability of people writing in and sharing not just that surface level, but diving right into the depths and like the magic is in the depths. So I was so moved and so touched and really feels like it's like a value, an honored place to be. Yeah, I know. We, we've been going over the questions and we're like, well, man, these they are they are being vulnerable and open and honest and we're ready Amazing. to rock and roll. So that's really cool. Uh, we want to take a second, too. If you're new listening to the podcast, uh, first of all, um, I run the website marriagesupply.com. Is, we say it's the best uh, sex toy site on, on earth, especially online. Uh, so you can go there, marriagesupply.com. You can use co- code all over and get 10% off. And uh, I am Toby from the band Emory and I've led uh, uh, men's small groups. I used to run a thing called uh, the True Man Experience, and I've worked with men on all different levels. I've experienced so much just meeting people through the band and through my these events. And so uh, I've always thought I wish sex could be more uh, open and honest and conversational. And you know, growing up as a very conservative Christian, I mean, I grew up the, the <laughs> a very conservative Christian. Uh, we didn't talk about sex. Just said, don't do it until you get married and then it'll all work out. And that's not true. <laughs> that is not true. <laughs> no. If anybody says, well, just, just don't do it and then it'll be awesome. That has never worked. Just don't play baseball. And then one day you'll be in the major <laughs> leagues. You know, that just Amazing. Yeah. not true. So, and then Stormy, reintroduce yourself a little bit. Hi, you guys. I'm so excited to have everyone here listening and watching. Uh, I'm Dr. Stormy Hill and I'm a certified sex and intimacy coach. And I coach men, women, and couples in all realms of intimacy with a focus on sexual intimacy as well as sacred sexuality. Uh, we also uh, offer online courses and we just launched a lube. And so just lots of fun things in the realm of sex and sexuality. And besides being a mama to an amazing uh, young adult, 18 year old uh, with, with autism, uh, this work is my greatest passion. And he likes to remind me that sex is not everyone's favorite subject to talk about, but it is mine. And so <laughs> I love doing this work and it's just really a pleasure to, to interact with you all and to hear your vulnerable questions. I'm so grateful for them. All right. Well, let's get into it. We're going to start the show uh, this week with, uh, I was, I, I want to answer listener questions. And then I think we both want to also see if we can educate or learn something and something that I did not know at all. I did not know this because I was making a joke on my podcast this week. You know, you always hear like big dick energy, but you never hear like big vagina energy. Or, or <laughs> And I was like, oh, is, could that be a thing? And so, because I was like, you know, maybe a lady with a big vagina, maybe, she, you know, she's walking around, she's confident. She's, I don't know, that probably doesn't work the same way, but I was just thinking <laughs> that in my mind. And so I did a little research and I found this on the pelvic PT. And Stormy, I'm sure you can elaborate on this too. Did you know that the clitoris is way larger than that little nub on the top of your lady parts. Uh, it's part of a larger system of erectile tissue. Uh, there are two shafts, the crura, C-R-U-R-A, yep. I'm saying that uh-huh. wrong, uh, no, that are about, about four inches long, that are under the labia and the inner outer lips of the, that's the inner outer lips of the vulva. And that's what plumps the lips up during arousal. But wait, there's more. The urethral <laughs> and per, uh, perineal, is that right? Perineal, uh-huh. perineal. 
Uh, sponge sponges at the top and bottom of the vagina are also erectile tissue. The former is upwards, uh, also considered the G spot area, and the latter is between the vaginal opening and the rectum. Because they encircle the vagina, penetrative sex can induce orgasm for some uh, for some ways, uh, women. And then uh, lastly, there's an extra fact here. I didn't know this. The clitoris is the only organ solely devoted to pleasure, and it has eight thousand uh, yes, nerve is. <laughs> That is crazy. The penis only has four thousand. Uh huh. You want, so I'm going to add to like the amazing clip facts <laughs> because the clitoris is an amazing organ whose sole purpose is pleasure. Like that wow. is so cool. And for all those of you that are watching, I'm wearing my clitoris ring right now. <laughs> Look at that. <laughs> That's how magical it is. I'm going to take it, take it off so you can see. But just like Toby explained, if you're just listening, that there is crura and there's cavernosa to the clitoris. So what you see, the little the little head that you see is just the glands of the clitoris, similar to the glands of the penis. And 85% of the clitoris is underneath, is inside the body. And so it really like it's really an incredible organ. That wasn't even anatomically represented correctly in medical textbooks until 2005 with like um, wow. uh, magnetic resonance imaging with MRIs of the clitoris and stuff. So we're catching up, but there's a lot of clit shaming that is very much deep in our culture. And so I, I just found out through my research that this Clitoris Awareness Week in May. Woo oh, we wow. <laughs> in May. All right. Celebrate the clitoris for a whole week. So that is pretty awesome. Um, and yeah, I just, you know, I think you just mentioned, Toby, that in the just the head of the clitoris, there's 8,000 nerve endings, which is more than double the nerve endings in the whole penis, right? And we're not, it's not a competition, but it's, yeah. it's just kind of an interesting <laughs> thing as to how sensitive the clitoris is, which also some of you women, uh, some of you vagina owners out there who are listening might say, my clitoris is too sensitive. And that we'll kind of get into that a little bit here in a minute, but that can be a thing, right? It can feel because it has got so many nerve endings, it can be overly sensitive. And then there's ways to work with that. But just like you said, Toby, it engorges and swells similar, like by 300%. It's erectile tissue, just like the penis, similar to the penis in that way. And does that mean it it can kind of get a little harder, right? Like, can it kind of become a wreck? Absolutely. It engorges. It's also kind of interesting. The one part of our body for all you vagina owners out there who that doesn't age. (laughs) <laughs> it doesn't age. It acts, a 20-year-old clitoris acts the exact same as a 70-year-old clitoris. So that we got that going for us too. So <laughs> the penis definitely ages. The uh-huh. penis definitely <laughs> ages. That, yeah, it, 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 it gets older for sure. And That's- then listen to this. I found this because I love research. I said that the in medieval times, the clitoris was called the devil's teat because it is so magical that it was like to entice men into like bad things. I'm not sure what those bad things are, but that's what it was called in medieval times was the devil's teat. Wow. <laughs> that's probably what they call it in the church I grew up in. <laughs> now, I, I wanted to ask you a, a, another question, just going back to what you said a minute ago. So sometimes when you say that the clitoris can feel just too sensitive, does that mean it actually, it's just too much? Like it, like uh, w- when you, when you say that, that means it's not pleasurable sometimes if you overstimulate it or stimulate it too much. Yeah, I mean, I think it varies from, you know, clitoris to clitoris, but I think what for what happens for a lot of uh, clitoris owners is that it's like too direct, too fast, right? So at, because it's erectile tissue and because it engorges and as it gets aroused um, and that spongy tissue that you mentioned as well, the, the more aroused a vagina owner is, what, what, that, what the vagina is, the more the clitoris will like 
be receptive to pleasure. And so it can be like too much too fast, or it can be too direct before, before there's too, there's enough level of arousal. Um, and then some, you know, some clitoris owners just don't like direct stimulation. It's too intense. And so that's, again, another place you're going to hear this throughout our podcast about communicating with your partner. You know, does that feel good? Like, listen to asking them, how does it feel when I touch your clitoris? How does that feel? Do you like that? Do you want lube? Do you not want lube? Because that's going to change the amount of friction. So, you know, it's really, but it's an incredible organ whose literally sole purpose is pleasure. And that's pretty amazing and pretty unique. So, yeah, 100%. And I guess my next question would be it to stimulate the clitoris should you don't should you never start with the clitoris like it, it, is it that you in order to get it started <laughs> being stimulated or engorged uh is it you shouldn't just go straight to it right like should you start with other foreplay before or is are some people just get right to it i you know i think it depends on your erotic language some people are like let's just get right to it they're a sexual as far as like erotic you know languages erotic blueprints and such but i think a good rule of thumb um is that you know, I always talk with my clients about tripling the length of your foreplay. We tend to go right to what we know works. And for a lot of women, they know that their clitoris is an essential component of orgasm. Um, but during, you know, when you're exploring with your partner to play, play, play around, play in other parts, have a makeout session, dry hump, all these amazing things that really build arousal and desire. And then your clitoris is more receptive to deeper pleasure, right? And, and yeah. for many vagina owners, the clitoris is an essential key to orgasm. Uh, to climax. And so, you know, it's, it's a great place to communicate with your partner. I think it's also, again, the magic that what you see, the little clitoris that you see is just the head, just literally the tip of the clitoris. So the clitoris is actually all throughout inside, throughout the, the labia of the vagina owner. And so that you can, there's so much other ways to stimulate the clitoris without direct stimulation of the head. Of the clitoris. Yeah. And is it true that most guys just don't know where it's at? I mean, that's, I don't, I, that joke makes me so sad because as a sex and intimacy coach, but you're right. The joke is what's the difference yeah. between a clitoris and Alaska. Most guys know where Alaska is, <laughs> you know, like, but that joke like breaks my heart because I don't think that's actually true. But so, you know, it, 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 I mean, let's just talk about it. Right. So where the, the head of the clitoris is, is right there up at the top under a little hood, right. That right where the, the labia meet. And, but then knowing that there's a whole network of tissue underneath inside that actually as, a, as, as the woman gets closer to climax, it sort of gives like the vagina a hug. And it's one of the reasons why it's also involved in G-spot orgasm rather than just direct clitoral, clitoral stimulation as well. Hmm. And then, okay. Last question I have on the clitoris. I was always told you're supposed to like, uh, when you're going down on your lady, um, you're supposed to like spell out the alphabet or like it <laughs> is that true like if you just moved in one movement like just a circle or up and down is that work or does is it better to mix it up and go from you know all different angles and directions great question so i mean anatomically right i mean i, I think if you know one clitoris you know one clitoris like it's really about finding out with your partner or yeah. partners like what, what, how sensitive is their clitoris? Is there a part of their clitoris? There typically is. Like if you think of the head of the clitoris as the face of a clock, right? That's the whole alphabet thing that you're hitting all the parts of the, the head of the clitoris, the glands of the clitoris. Um, there's usually a part of the face of that clock, clitoris clock, we'll call it, that's more sensitive, that feels <laughs> really clock. good or might feel too sensitive. <laughs> we might just, we might have just coined a term yeah. right there, but 
Um, and so again, listening to your partner's cues, listening to their breath, their moans, their groans, listening to direct feedback um, is a really great way to, to approach that. And then also remembering that you don't just have a tongue, you have lips and fingers and all these other parts that can be involved in really giving fabulous oral sex. All the parts of the clitoris as well as other parts of the of the vulva and vagina. And it. Okay, so and then there's the big debate, and I'm sure we're going to talk about this a bunch on the podcast and future episodes. But there is like the penetrative orgasm and the clitoral orgasm, and it seems to me, from what I've read, that the clitoral orgasm is more common or prevalent. Is that true? So that leads us right into our myth. It's really amazing, like little oh, yeah. segue. So our our myth that we're going to debunk today is that the myth is that most women orgasm from penetration alone. Okay, so from we're talking about penis and vagina intercourse or what we call unassisted intercourse. And that is a myth. Actually, it depends on which study you're reading, but kind of summarizing them, only 25% of women climax from penetration alone, meaning 75% do not. They need, they need wow. what we That's call a assisted big number. It's a huge number. It's a huge number. And for all of you vagina owners out there, like I want you to know if you don't climax from penetration alone, you're in the vast majority. You're, you're, you're the majority. And so, and if you do great, some women do, right? 25% of women, according to these studies do, but that's to your point, Toby, that's, that's suggesting that's showing us that the clitoris is such an important part that doesn't often get direct enough stimulation to bring a woman to, to orgasm or to climax with penetrative sex alone. So the importance of foreplay, the importance of playing with different positions. Um, there are penetrative sex positions that will stimulate the clitoris more than others using toys, right? Go to marriage supply, yeah. check out a toy that like helps with clitoral stimulation. There's so many ways to bring the clitoris in to, to really increase and enhance pleasure. Yeah. Uh, since we've been doing this podcast, I've been, you know, trying to, uh, do more research cause I want to keep up with you cause you know so much, but <laughs> I, I have found, uh, just from reading that folks are saying, because the missionary position has gotten kind of a bad rap. It's vanilla. It's boring. Don't do the missionary position, but it seems to be that, the man's pelvic bone while he's penetrating a woman can actually help stimulate the clitoris a lot. And actually that's a great position for clitoral orgasming, right? Amazing. Yeah. We call that the, the, like the clitoral alignment technique, but it's exactly what you're talking about. So it's take missionary, move the, the, the penis owner up, the, the man up a little farther so that his pelvic bone is, is against your, your mons of your vulva. Um, and then you'll actually get direct, you'll get, more direct clitoral stimulation. So that's a really great position. That's sort of like a, an adaptation of missionary. Um, and you know, it's, there's, again, to the point, there's so many ways to play with alignment in different positions that can stimulate the clitoris more. Yeah. And I think it, one of the big key things to remember is I think oftentimes men, at least from my experience, uh, working with men, talking to men, they really do want to pleasure their partner. They want totally. their partner to have, so, I mean, it, it feels so amazing if, you know, they orgasm or they feel so good and it, you know, the sex was awesome. But, uh, just like I was saying earlier, like I was taught, don't, you know, just don't have sex. And then one day it'll be amazing. You have to take it <laughs> slow and learn and laugh and cut up a little bit and, and try some things like it might not be, you might have to during sex practice some moves to see what actually is working. And it might not be, it might not seem in the moment so romantic or hot and heavy, but if you can go slow and kind of learn what each other's like, then later times that you're having sex, I think it will be a lot better. Totally. And I so appreciate you saying that. Like, why do we think what, what, 
book create, maybe it was culture, maybe it was messaging, maybe it was religious messaging, maybe it was patriarchal messaging, whatever it might be that let, made us think that we don't need to be curious, learn about and practice becoming amazing lovers is very, it really screwed us a lot of us up, right? Because like you said, yeah. you bring together two people or more people and you expect to not talk about it and have mind blowing time bending sex. Okay, maybe, maybe once in a really blue moon, but for the majority of us communicating about your needs, wants, and desires, learning about your own pleasure map, what turns you on, what brings you to orgasm separate from your partner, and then, and then being able to communicate about it. And like you said, Toby, also being able to laugh about it. Like it's awkward as shit. There's body fluids and smells and positioning and all these things. It can right. be so awkward, let alone trauma that can be involved or family of origin that can, you know, messaging that can be involved or pain or any of the other issues that can, that are present with us between the sheets. And so, you know, just to normalize, if you're out there, you're struggling with sex with your partner, you know, that is, you are very, it is very normal. It is totally common. There's no part of you that is broken. Yeah. 100%. I mean, it just like in life, it is hard to communicate with just friends, coworkers, all that stuff. Of course, sex isn't going to be just the easiest thing to just talk about and communicate about. So just take your time, think about it. And also, I'm glad that you kind of busted this myth a little bit because a lot, I think a lot of people just think, let's go to pound town and then it's going to be great. <laughs> and then, you know, and that's not even good for the guys because the more that as soon as you start doing penetrative sex, your time limit starts decreasing. You know oh, what I mean? Yeah. The guy's penis the clock is very is sensitive. The yeah. Clock is yeah. <laughs> So the faster you get to the penetrative sex, the quicker sex is going to be over anyway. So just take your time. And uh, yeah, so I think I appreciate you. That's, a great, that that's a great piece of advice. Taking your time, slowing it down, which is kind of counterintuitive, right? Counterintuitive yeah. to like, let's just get love, you know, and it can get that way. Like, let's just get it done. Like, let's just get to orgasm. But then also to take the pressure off of a lot of you men out there that, you know, we just I just presented that you to you most the research that shows that 75 percent of women are not going to orgasm consistently or ever. From penetration alone and that's pretty that's kind of hopefully that kind of takes the pressure off of everyone right like right. let's figure it out there is a major difference we call it the pleasure gap in my world of, of sex coaching but between the men's anatomy of arousal and women's anatomy of arousal i'm sure we'll do uh, some more podcasts on that so oh yeah uh, and you're exactly right that even helps with uh men because a lot of times men feel inadequate with their penis size and they think oh no uh, you know we're, we're doing penetrative sex and it's not turning her on or, or le leading her to orgasm and oftentimes you're missing the thing that's right there on the front that you know and, and i mean it goes way longer and and you can do like you said you can use all kinds of appendages to uh, stimulate that so uh, exactly yeah. we do not just have one vulva or one penis we have pants right. We have mouths, we have tongues, we have toys, we have so many things that we yeah. can do to really bridge that pleasure gap and to increase the pleasure that, that both people in a partnership are experiencing. Yeah, 100%. All right, you want to get to some listener questions? Sure, let's do it. All right, so uh, we like we said, we, we are getting amazing listener questions. And if you have a question that you want to send in to Dr. Stormy and I, then you can send it to uh, Toby at marriagesupply.com or Stormy, give them your email. They can send it to you as well. Yeah, you can send it to me at Stormy. So that's S-T-O-R-M-Y at lovedeeplab.com. So lovedeeplab.com. All right. Uh, this first one's a two-parter. We'll break them up into two different questions here. Uh, this comes from Clee Torres. Um, been married 11 years, and we still both suck at talking dirty. Any advice for improving in this area? And I want to start with, it always is a little weird for me, it's been weird for me to talk dirty to any uh, 
the people that I've dated or married <laughs> uh, because you're hanging out, watching Netflix or fixing dinner for the kids. You're doing all this stuff. And then you got to go in there and go, suck my foot. You, uh, you, you, know, <laughs> you know, you think you got to be either tough or strong or manly or, you know, yeah, put that over here and stick it in that. And do, oh my God, you're hot. You know, you do all that. And then, you, and then all of a sudden you're laughing or, you know, your partner's laughing spouses are laughing, girlfriends are laughing, and you're like, oh, I've totally blown it. So yeah, this one, I do think it's difficult sometimes because you want to be cool and sexy, but sometimes you say just, you know, hey, you know, you like that wiener? And you're like, oh, that, that sounds horrible. Like, it didn't even, I don't even like that. She starts thinking about like yeah. Oscar Mayer wiener song. Yeah. And yeah. It just like- <laughs> you know what I read today? You got a humongous clitoris. That just doesn't <laughs> land. It doesn't land. So uh, yeah, yeah. So What's the, so I what, love that intro because what I would say <laughs> is it's not always going to land. So I love this question. Thank you for writing this in. But talking dirty is a skill. It's a practice, right? So we don't typically just nail it the first time. No no pun intended, right? right. It's by, like to, you know, but it is like, and I, I'm a total research nerd, but the research does suggest that the more you can communicate with your partner during sex, including dirty talk or pillow talk, will increase your pleasure. So it's a great thing for everyone listening, like to lean into and, and you know, and, and explore. Um, it also makes sex more sensory, right? So if we're bringing in auditory, we're bringing in a whole nother sensory system, which makes for better sex, makes for deeper orgasms and better orgasms. So that's kind of the, the nerdy part of it. But then as far as like practical, uh, our senses is a great place to start. So you can, you don't have to like, go with full on porn level, like dirty talk or, you know, kink dom- dominatrix talk. It can be, keep it simple, keep it simple. And so you can start with things like also a good idea to like, maybe start if it's new to you, like start over text because it feels a little bit safer. Oh, often that's a good than, idea. Like, yeah. Mm-hmm. So you can start over text and then be like, Hey babe, what'd you think about that text I sent you? And, you know, see what the feedback is on that. Um, and then also using our senses because people are like, I get asked by my clients, like, I don't know what to say. You know, it's like, well, you think about it, think about it before you're going to say it, like be like, what would I say to her or him and, you know, or them in this situation? Um, and it could be, if you think about the senses, it could be right. Look, the, the, what you're seeing, what you're smelling, what you're tasting, what you're touching. So if you think of your senses, it gives you a lot of fodder for the pillow talk, for the dirty talk. And it doesn't have to be triple X rated. Like it can be sexy as shit and be very PG 13, you know? Um, so you can, if you just know that you can keep it simple and start easy, that's that, you know, you don't have to have this like monologue that's like, you know, erotica level, <laughs> you know, dirty talk. So those are a few tips. And I just took some notes here too. Oh, also doing a lot more encouragement. So for all your parents out there, right. We think with our kids, we, we do six to one, six positive affirmations for one, like negative feedback. It's a similar thing for sure with pillow talk. So rather than saying, don't do this, or I don't like this, right? That might be true. You're asking them not to, and you don't like something. It's just about framing it in the positive. So like, I love it when you do this or do more of this, you know, and then the, and that's the verbal. So keeping it really positive and affirmation, and then also telling and showing are great ways to kind of get into the, like the dirty talk, the pillow talk. Mm, I like that. Um, yeah. So you're saying it's totally fine. Like when you're talking about dirty talk, it, it might be fine just to start out with, oh my gosh, you're beautiful or, oh, wow. Totally. Wow. This feels so good. Or you feel so good. Like start just kind. Yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah. exactly. And think about again, back to your senses are like, wow, you look amazing in that position. Right. Like, you know, like I love the look of your 
boobs in that position or whatever, like, right. Cause you're talking about what you're seeing. You can talk about what you're hearing. Like, I love the sound of your breath when you're turned on. Like, I love your grunts, whatever it could be anything. Right. So sticking with the senses, if you don't know what to say is a good place to start. And then, uh, for the men out there, the ladies like it when we, sometimes <laughs> I felt like, am, is my moaning sound like weak or not match? Like I'm ah, ooh, or, <laughs> <laughs> or, you know, I don't want to say, I want to, but then if I try to sound too mashed, it's like, Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> like I, it's hard to navigate like what sounds manly and doesn't, you know, like sound like you might be having a heart attack or you sound yeah, like it, you know, you're, you're wimpy or something. Okay. So a couple of things that come up and this is the nerdy part of me coming up with like this, with the sensory part, but our, our um, auditory. So, our brain is, they say, is our greatest sex organ. I say that is also that is true, but it is also our greatest barrier to fabulous sex. So again, you're feeding the auditory component to the brain with dirty talk, right? Um, but it's a great question because it's we tend to be pretty nasally high up in our head, high up in our tone or our pitch when we're like not so sure. We're like toying the waters. We're testing the waters. This is men or women, and so to your point of like, you're sounding, you think it sounds like high pitch and then you drop it down too low and it sounds like you're like trying to primal it out or whatever. Um, so playing with tone and pitch is one of the things I have my clients do when they're, when they're practicing pillow talk, dirty talk. Um, but also the most important thing is being authentic, right? If you're trying it out, like, you know, it's fine if you want to try it on, but your sounds are your sounds. They are going to be sexy to your partner. And if they're not, that's okay. That is, they're still your sound. So never you know, never squelching your sounds. But what's interesting is culturally, we are very, and this isn't just women, but it's it's a little bit more intense for the women that I work with. Um, it's very like, oh, give it to me, baby. Like if anything, right? It's very yeah. like scripted. It's very words. So pillow talk does not have to be words. It can be just sounds. So practicing your voice, exercising your voice is a really beautiful way, not to sound too woo-woo, but I am totally woo-woo, is to like, bring it speak your truth right just really show how does your pleasure sound what what sounds do you make when you're really turned on because whatever you make is perfect and it's beautiful and it's super sexy yeah and i would add to that definitely experiment a little bit there's been times where uh me or our partner said something that we wouldn't normally and it did turn us on you know what i mean like i like we we said something that i that i or i said something i didn't think i was like i don't want to say that but i said it and then it kind of turned me on a little bit or my partner on a little bit. So don't, you know, don't just be negative and go, I will, I would never say that. Cause it might be something that could possibly lead to turning you on. Totally. That's a great thing. You're open the door. Maybe you say something that's like a little edgy and your partner's like, Ooh, do more of that. And you're like, yeah. Oh, okay. That's our, like, right. you know, but also like you mentioned earlier to being willing to like laugh, like it is not always going to land. It is not always going to be perfect, but if you can be like, <laughs> that was so awkward and laugh about it. Right. Well, now you're laughing about it, right? And maybe you tweak it the next time, or or that's not your that's not your turn on, right? Because not everything you say is going to turn on you. It's going to land in the way you want it to for your partner. But that's part of the growth. Yeah, one hundred percent. All right, let's get to Clee's uh, second question. Along similar lines, what is the best approach to communicating about trying new things, experiences, toys, etc., in the bedroom in a way that's respectful but still honest and vulnerable? Yeah, I love that question for the way it's asked too about honest and vulnerable, right? Those are feeling safe in your partnership, feeling the ability to really be yourself is is one of the keys to sustained passion. Um, and so I love that, how that was phrased. But I think, you know, first of all, communicating about it, like not 
trying to be a mind reader. We cannot read our partner's mind and we definitely cannot read their arousal map. Um, and so what turns them on, what brings them to orgasm, what brings, what enhances their pleasure. So having the conversations, and I always recommend not doing it between the sheets <laughs> because then you're like in the moment and once someone could get hurt, you know, could internalize that, um, take that personally. So maybe over a date or when you're feeling connected and intimate, but not, not sexually intimate to say, you know, to share like, Hey, I had this thought about trying this position. I read about it or I saw it or whatever. And like, what do you think about that? Is that a no for you? Yes. Like I want to hear, right. So being really curious about your partner's response, but opening the door, right? And that is vulnerable and brave. And, and then if your partner's like, no, I don't want to, let's say we're like, no, I'm not doing that. That's a no for me. It's like, okay, cool. Interesting. Why is that? A, like, what makes that a no for you? I'm super interested. Right. It's, and so having those conversations outside the bedroom lead to trying new things inside the bedroom. And then it's about bringing, bringing in an, um, an energy of curiosity and playfulness of like, Hey, it's not like, Oh, we do the same old, same old. Right. Cause that's very, like, someone's going to take that personally. It's like, like, Hey, I, I want our sex life to be even more amazing. And I want to try and experiment with these things. How do you feel about it? Can we pick out a toy together? Can we get online and pick out a toy? Can we go to a sex shop together? I mean, there's lots of really playful ways. Um, and then your partner gets to be in their truth of like, no, I don't feel safe with that or whatever it might be, or hell yes, let's go. Let's go right now. Yeah. <laughs> Take the kids to the center <laughs> and let's go, you know, so, or anywhere in between. But so really the communication piece, bringing some levity and playfulness to it. And then bringing the excitement of like, of, of I, when I work with my clients, I say all the time, sex is a practice, right? You, you, we do not become to your point to be, everyone wants to be an amazing lover. Everyone wants to have great pleasure themselves and bring their partner great pleasure. It is really is pretty universal. Um, and then there's so many things that shroud that with shame and judgment and insecurities and, you know, assumptions about your partner and things and our self body image, body love, all these things that play into that, but really bringing that curiosity and, and thinking of it as a practice that I'm committed with partner to practice becoming amazing lovers. It's pretty, that shifting into a practice takes some of the pressure off of like, oh, I'm just, it's just mediocre or it's just math or I'm not a great lover or whatever the story might be. Yeah. I'll say this too. I think a lot of times men, uh, penis owners, uh, are, uh, intimidated by some toys. Like, uh, like they think, uh Oh, I got competition now, you know, men can get in their <laughs> heads a little bit, a little bit of their egos and go, Oh, that thing's going inside you. And then I'm going to, after that, like, I'm, you know what, you know, and I think uh, one thing that I, I've learned, uh, if you can help your partner by including them going, oh, I, I, I'm enjoying this toy so much, but I enjoy it with you. Or when I use it and you're not around, I'm thinking about you and, and like, and just including them, making them feel like the toy is for both of you guys. It's turning you both on and including totally. them so that they don't feel so intimidated because it can be intimidating. So, I mean, some of the toys out there are large or the best vibration <laughs> ever your penis cannot compete with those things but that's not the point the point is exactly. that you want to be you know having great sex in all kinds of ways with your partner and the toy just adds to that Amazing. Uh, for, yeah. for both people so make sure you're including them and letting them know oh yeah i want to use this toy but i i like it when you use it on me or how we use it together that that really makes your partner feel a lot more included totally i love that i, I always say you think about toys as a team player right it's just, you're just Bringing in a team player, right? Especially if you, under, if you understand and internalize what we shared from the research earlier on our sex myth that uh, many women and many vagina owners need clitoral stimulation to 
climax. And so if you're inside, let's say, fabulous, great, great for everyone. And a toy can help with clitoral stimulation or fingers can help with yeah. clitoral stimulation, right? So to your point about not internalizing that, right? We get so, I mean, that's one of the things I love and it breaks my heart in the realm of sex is that we take it on that it means something about who we are or we come from this place of I'm not enough, which shows yeah. up in all areas of our life and definitely shows up in sex, right? Mm -hmm. And so instead of I'm not enough, it's like I am and this is this fun team player to bring more pleasure and playfulness to both of us. Because like you said, there are a lot of toys that are that are penis focused, right? Yep. So you can play with that too. Yep. Awesome. All right. Let's move to the next one. Um, and this comes from Grundle Troll. Uh, I recently started dating this guy and our sexual chemistry is off the charts. Thank you, Jesus. He is, <laughs> he is such a giving, loving, supportive partner and has introduced me to a few new things, which I love and obviously want to give back to him. In our last sexual encounter, he said how much he really likes when I play with his balls and even underneath. So for the first time in my life, I went under and licked his perineum. Uh, that's the taint for you, Toby. <laughs> but, but when I got uh, to the asshole, I froze. How do I get over that? I want to eat his ass. He eats mine. And it's amazing. I want him to experience the same pleasure he gives me. Help. This one, I can, I can understand, you know, people wanting to stay away from there and also how it could feel pretty amazing. Amazing. Yes. So from a science perspective, the reason it feels amazing is full of nerve endings, right? So this doesn't matter whether you're a penis owner or a vagina owner. It's the, the anus is full of nerve endings. So that's why it feels good and, and, and why, oh, why it can feel good. There is a lot... <laughs> I just said a lot of shit around me. <laughs> and I meant the stigma. <laughs> like, there's a lot of shit. <laughs> hey, lot. There's a lot of stigma around the anus, right? Yeah. Because of shit. Like, yes. so the thing is like, I mean, when I work with my clients on this, you know, or in my own like sexual journey, it's like, you have to be willing to, that has, that has, you have to just, you got to acknowledge that, yeah, right? Of what to. comes out of there normally, right. you know? So to answer the question more specifically is that, so also just before I do that, like in the Tantra world, I teach a lot of Tantra and sacred sexuality. They say that the asshole is the portal to God. So I don't know, but really? that's what they say. I've never heard that before. The portal to God. Okay. Uh -huh, uh -huh. Yeah. So that just to throw that out there. So it's pretty magical though. Um, but so prep um, for this, for the listener who wrote this question. Um, so prep is a huge thing to kind of bring down your anxiety around like, ah, it's an asshole and there's shit, right? And also around your partner's anxiety who might be receiving. And so we call this like, the it's called rimming or analingus, right? Of what you're talking about, about using your mouth around the asshole of your partner. Um, so prep is key, right? So when I, when I think, when I teach about prep, we teach about clean, cleaning your bum, right? So clean your bum, that can be washing on the outside. Also couldn't be, I'm not a huge fan of anal douches, but they can be recommended too, as well as like cleaning everything out before. But like, just, you know, I always say like, have a bowel movement early in the day. Don't feel like you have to go and, cl and clean the area. Okay. That's like the cleaning, the prep. Um, the second thing is if you're really worried about it, because there is more bacteria around the anus and in the rectum, obviously, than let's say in the vagina or in other areas of your body, um, you can also use a dental dam, which is like a barrier method, right? So a barrier between your mouth and their anus. So that's can be, and it still can be really, really good dental dams where you can still have a high sensation. So that's something if you're, if you're wanting that level of protection. And then uh, the other thing I always like to say is avoiding going from that to vaginal oral sex, because 
the bacteria and the anus and the bacteria and the vagina do not like each other. <laughs> they don't get along very well. So just like you don't want to have anal sex and then go to penetrative vaginal sex, same thing. So just kind of keeping that in mind. So that's the prep thing. If you do those things, you can really relax your nervous system into just enjoying exploring like this, this listener wants to do with her partner because then you're kind of that, that takes down some of the anxiety around, you know, cleanliness and things like that and, and spreading bacteria and things like that. So, but besides that, it's about exploring just like any other part of the body. So I always say like, look at how you're moving your, your, your mouth and your tongue, right? And remember that you have two lips and a tongue. It's not just your tongue. So up, down, side, side, circling, semi-circling, circling one direction, circling another direction. These are all some concrete ways to start exploring that and then listening to your partner's response to their groans. Hopefully maybe they're giving you some verbal feedback. Um, and it's not about inside, it's about around, right? There are also obviously penetrative aspects that can be incorporated in, but the really just playing around can really bring a lot of pleasure um, to someone. And both people have to be willing, right? Because it is not if you're willing and your partner's not, I mean, that's something you have to navigate in your partnership, but it can be amazing and it can be super pleasurable for both, for both people. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. And I think you're right. I think just, uh, I think, uh, I had a friend that told me years ago. So, I mean, over a decade ago that he liked his partner to play with his butthole. And I, back then, you know, I was still uber Christian. I was like, Oh, what are you, what are you talking about? I don't even know if you should go back there or not. You know, what are you going? And, and I, <laughs> And now I look back and like, man, I was so dumb. And I don't, I personally don't want anything deep inside of me. That has not, I, I, I have not gotten there. I tried a little bit and it didn't, it just wasn't for me, but you're right. Yeah. The, the anus is really sensitive and that can feel good. You know, just the outside there. So start there totally. with your partner and just see, you don't have to go, you know, straight to, you know, deep penetrative anal sex that might not work for anybody. So uh, totally in your relationship. Yeah. And you can actually stimulate the prostate from outside too. So one of the things that can be very pleasurable for, for a man is prostate massage or prostate stimulation. You can have a, an orgasm that way. Um, but you can also stimulate the prostate from outside, from, from the taint um, by pressing up, you know, and so that can kind of be incorporated mm -hmm. in to really feel like that, like, whoa, that might be a really novel sensation for your partner without having to go deep inside the anus if that is a no for them. Yep, 100%. All right. Great question. Um, okay, let's yeah. see. We got two more. This is from Jenny Telia. Uh, I've been with my fiance a little over a decade. We have we have great sex pretty frequently and communicate very effectively unless it's about sex. I feel at ease telling him about my desires, but this is not reciprocated. If I ask him about it, he says he's happy with how things are, which I'm sure is true. But when he drinks once in a blue moon, it's way different. He does and says things he would no he wouldn't normally in a good way. Mm -hmm. Uh, I know he struggles with shame and we've both done individual therapy in the past, but I want him to feel more comfortable expressing himself in everyday life and especially our sex life. I ask questions at opportune times. I model asking gently and point out when, uh, when out when that yields great results. I praise him when he does express himself in small ways in and out of bed to try and make him feel safe. What else can I do? Is, is there anything else uh, I can do? Or is this one of the moments when I'm going into problem solving mode uh, instead of just accepting him for where he's at. Um, if it wasn't already obvious, I'm anxious attachment style and he is avoidant. <laughs> Help 911 life alert. <laughs> yeah, it's such a beautiful, thoughtful question, right? There's so much to that, right? So she's talking about attachment styles, uh, which we could do a whole, a whole podcast on for sure and how that shows up in the bedroom. But 
to answer her questions more specifically, I mean, she's doing some really beautiful things there, right? So a couple, she's, she's modeling, she's giving affirmations and feedback. She's, she's doing it at opportune times, all things that are really important. So good job. Awesome there. Um, and, you know, you can really hear the love in this, right? She, they, they communicate really well in other areas, but not so much sexually. So I want to just normalize it. Like that's very common. The couples that work with me are couples that love each other and that are totally in and that are struggling with having the sex life that matches the love that they have, right? So you just want to normalize that you're not alone. That's really beautiful and really common. Um, and then you're doing great things as far as getting, keeping that conversation going, starting that conversation. It sounds like you're on the lead in the, in the, in the, having the conversation. But so a couple of things is I would say, you know, some concrete tips would be to also not just model, like not just give affirmations and feedback, but you share with your partner what turns you on and what you like in bed um, might give him a little bit of like, oh, that's what that feels like or sounds like. That's what it's like to be on the receiving end of it. Um, and so showing, you know, demonstrating, leading by like demonstration might be uh, something to lean into a little bit. And then the other thing is outside of the bedroom, again, getting curious, talking with your partner since you have good communication skills with him to say, you know, I have noticed that it, it seems like it's hard for you to share with me what you want. Especially you say our sex life is fine. So I'm curious about what fine means to you. And I'm also curious about why that feels hard for you to share with me, right? Because like you said, you both have some shame patterns and shame history. Almost all of us have little T or capital T trauma in our realm of sexuality. So it might be a really beautiful place to, to, to bridge to deepen communication and intimacy as to like why that's hard for him. And you just get to be this really full active listening to say, I'm here. I'm super interested. I love it. It turns me on so much to know what brings you pleasure. And I want to grow our sex life, but I also want to understand where you are and what your hesitancy is, right? So what it's basically asking what his fear is around sharing, because there's something that's blocking him from sharing. And it could be a myriad of things and you could never make an assumption to know what it is. Right. Yeah. Shame and fear are so hard sometimes to overcome, especially with somebody you love or care about or going to be intimate with. I think it's really tough. And, and it's not a coincidence that uh, she writes that when he drinks at once in a blue moon, that it is way different. Sometimes I think I think of like uh, alcohol and even marijuana. I think it's still you, but it breaks. It pulls down some of your walls that you have up totally. in normal life and it allows you to be a little bit more free, a little a little more, you know, of your full self. And so, um, that's interesting because when that happens, I think, you know, I think, I think she's doing this, but definitely recognize that, Hey, I like it when you're vulnerable with me or yeah. confident right yeah. now without, you know, feeling so, uh, you know, in your thought, getting in your thoughts as much. Um, and that's hard to do that. That's why alcohol totally. works sometimes. I mean, it really yeah. does. It, it lets you feel a little bit more free and fun <laughs> and uh, take a couple of chances maybe that you wouldn't normally because your totally. walls are down a little bit. Yeah. It's a social and sexual lubricant. Right. And, and, and it's very, it, it can be slightly to very disinhibitory. Right. So any inhibitions that you might have around that can be brought down or lowered from the, the spirit of alcohol. Um, and so again, like you said, that's great that she's saying, you know, I really like it when you say that, you know, when you, or when you did that last night, or you said that last night, um, and then moving towards like the, the best place would be where he feels like that safety and confidence in himself and the partnership where he can share that without the use of alcohol. Right. Yeah. 100%. All right. These are great listener questions. Okay. Our last question is a stump stormy question. All right. <laughs> 
And I, and uh, I thought this was interesting because it it was it was a study, it was a survey that was carried out in the United States in 2022. And uh, I wanted to see if you can guess the number of people who own sex toys in the United States. And and here's what's interesting: they they said they went from 2017 and now in 2022. So five years later, I'm, I'm going to guess that they went way up during COVID when everybody was buying. Yeah, sex. I think you're probably right. <laughs> uh, but but let's just stick with right now in the year 2022 in America. How many uh, people do you think own a sex toy? Okay, I'm going to go with. I'm going to say women. I'm going to say 80 percent of women own a, a vibrator. Well, sex toy, but likely a vibrator in the United States, and probably 50 or 60 percent of couples use one together. Yeah. So it, it, they're giving you the actual number in millions, and it's 163 oh. million people. All right. Own a sex toy. That's up from 135 million in 2017. <laughs> and 56 million people own more than five sex toys. Uh, which I think awesome. is really so that that's uh, so the the population of America I think is 330 million. Right. So okay. So how how close yeah. was I? <laughs> you're pretty close, I guess. I mean, I, I think you're you're right on it because I mean, over half of people own sex toys and. Uh, I bet I want I, I wish they they didn't let me know the breakdown of uh, men or women or you know who who owns what but um I thought that was so interesting the 163 million that's wild it's oh, and amazing then, I love that and then uh, okay uh, I added on a little bit here too um, can you guess how much the global vibrator industry is worth. Oh, no. Uh, no. Uh, a lot and growing, I would say. I'm, I'm going to hedge my answer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, the vibrator market. In the, in the billion, in the multiple billions. You're right. 2.5 billion globally. With some 60 yeah. million sex toys sold every year. And 750 million of that is coming from the U.S. That Amazing. Is, yeah, that is. And I wild. do know that the number one sex toy is vibrators. Number two is dildos. And number three is lube. So that I do know. Yep. Yep, you're exactly right. But you know what uh, I thought was interesting when I was reading on it too, like anal beads and and anal uh, toys are growing as well. It is getting more popular with those as well. I guess those those are probably more stigmatized in the past, and now they're they're catching up to the other stuff. Um, yep, we got we uh, got a, we got a theme going. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're right. So, all right, I didn't stump you. You 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 pretty on that one. I mean, you you probably I mean you know sex toys just as well. So. Close. Um, all right. Well, this is another great episode. Remember, you can go to marriagesupply.com for sex toys. Um, you can use code all over and you get 10% off. Uh, that's marriagesupply.com. And Stormy, you want to send them to any of your sites as well? Yeah, you can find us on TikTok at Touchy Subjects with three S's, Touchy Subjects with three S's. And then we are uh, lovedeeperlab.com. Um, and you can kind of link from there to um, our lube site, which will be up and running soon. Yep. And as always, send in your listener questions. Uh, you can send it to Toby at marriagesupply.com or Stormy at lovedeeplab.com. That's right. Yep. Uh, uh, okay. Awesome. Well, we'll see y'all on the next episode.